Well, good morning and welcome to Barrel Life Church. We are so glad to see you guys. Come on, who's excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Make some noise. Yes. If this is your first time or first time in a long time, we want to welcome you here to Barrel Life Church. Thank you so much for getting up a little bit early today, right, with your extra hour of sleep and coming and hanging out with us. Hopefully the Lord will speak into your life, which I know He will. And uh, we also want to take a moment and welcome our Grayson Campus. Can we do it for our Grayson Campus also? Yes. We love you guys. We are one church in two locations. And as the Lord continues to move in this region and give us favor and give us vision to continue to reach this region, we hope and pray that God will continue to put better life churches in the cities around us. So you guys be praying for that, for God just to show us what's next and what to continue on to reach in this region. I'm really excited about today. Two reasons I'm excited about today. Number one, I got an extra hour of sleep. Can I get a witness? Come on now. Really excited about that. Number two is that this series, we kick off a brand new series. I'm telling you what, I want you to please hear because I know a lot of you are going to be traveling. We got Thanksgiving coming up at the end of the month here and things like that. Uh, this is a series you don't want to miss. And if you have to miss, please check it out online. Keep up with us online because the principles that I'm going to be sharing with you over the next few weeks, listen to me, would absolutely radically change your life. Not only would it change your life, but it would change your family tree. One of the things as a Christian we want more than anything, right, is for our faith to grow. Our faith only grows when we're obedient to God. If you want to grow your faith, grow your obedience. I just had more faith. I wish I had faith to move mountains. I wish I had faith of a mustard seed. I wish I just had a little bit of faith. Listen, listen. If you want faith, then you have to take God at his word and be obedient. Over the last two decades, there have never been any more principles in the Bible that I have fallen according to God's word, have followed out what he's asked me to do, and has grown my faith than what I'm about to share with you over the next few weeks. If you want your faith to grow, especially in this area, there's many principles in the Bible where God said, if you do this, then God will continue to grow your faith. But hands down, there's never been more principles of all the principles I've seen that I've applied to my own life that have grown my faith in him than the ones that I'm going to be sharing with you in this series. That's what gets me jacked up. That's what gets me excited. So let me ask you this question. This is, this is not a trick question. I want everyone to participate. If you're watching this online, if you listen to this while you're going down the road, please keep your hand on the steering wheel. If you're at our Grayson campus or our Maury campus, listen, I want everyone to participate, okay? How many of you, you want God to bless your life? Get your hand up. I want God's blessing on my life. Come on, get your hand up. For the rest of you, you're lying. Yes, you know. You want God's favor and blessing on your life. Here's what I know when I read the scripture. God wants to bless his children. I know that. We see it all through the scripture. God wants to bless his children just like you as a parent want to bless your children. However, God gets to determine what the blessing is. The moment you start talking about blessings in church... When you start talking about, most of the time your mind as a Christian goes to one or two camps, one or two places. When you go, we want the favor of God, we want the blessing of God in our life, usually you automatically go to material things in your life. Well, God will only bless me. If God really blessed me, then I get this house, I get this car, I get these things. We get the material things when it comes to God's blessing. So a lot of times your mind might go there. And so there's two camps, and there's one I'm going to share with you today that, that I just kind of coined that I, that I like to look at. There's two camps when it comes to the blessings of God in your life. The first one is the prosperity gospel. How many of you heard that before that term, prosperity gospel or health wealth gospel? Get your hand up, right? Okay, cool. The prosperity gospel says this. 
Every Christian has the divine right to speak by faith health and wealth into their life. Every Christian on the planet. The prosperity gospel movement says this. Every child of God has the divine right, according to the scripture, to speak a word of faith and by faith over their health and their wealth and their life. Folks, that's completely false. 100%, 100% false. And so the thought is, if you want to be healthy, you speak faith. If you want wealth, you speak faith. If you want your neighbor's house, you speak faith. If you covet your neighbor's car, you speak faith. If you want so much in your bank account, it is by faith and divine transference that transfers to you. If you want it, go get it. And if you don't have it, it's because you don't have enough faith. Now, TV evangelist has ruined this really for the mindset of most of the world when you come about it. You sow a seed, God will meet your need, and all this stuff. I've watched it, I've been around it. Some of you, you may know of a guy, you may have heard of a guy if you've been in church or watched it on TV named Benny Hinn. Uh, Benny Hinn just recently came out, who's probably one of the biggest proponents of the prosperity gospel preachers that push it out, that if you will give, God will bless. You give to get, you give to get. That's the mindset of the prosperity. I give so I can get something back from my, I get health or I get wealth back from God. Benny Hinn just came out here in the last couple months, if you've been following this, if you even keep up with church news or whatever, and he completely said, I have led people astray. This is a false teaching. I will never teach prosperity gospel again. Forgive me. I repent he, in front of his church and uh, publicly that this no longer is correct doctrine. This is a false doctrine, and it leads people into false hope. So one of the biggest prominent leaders of this movement has now come forward and said, this is false. 66 years of ministry of his life, he has taught this and says this is absolutely the wrong teaching. And for that, he is correct, the prosperity gospel. Just because you're Christian, you're not guaranteed wealth and you're not guaranteed health. We know that. Some of the godly people I know don't have a lot. And some of the godliest people I know, they've died early in their life. So you're not promised health or wealth uh, in the blessed life, or we would say even the better life. Then there's the opposite side. If you think about blessings or material things and you're in the church, there's the poverty gospel. This is why you believe Christians should be broke. Christians should live always, always below their means. You can't have a nice car. You can't have a, have a nice house. You can't desire for your kids to be in the best educational system and move to that certain location so your kids can get the best education. Anytime you want something nice, Christians frown upon it. They believe rich people are evil. They believe they've done something bad to get those things. And the reason why you usually think that is because you're jealous of them, hello, that of what they have. So you, because you don't have, you said, look at those evil people. They're just so unhappy. Rich people are unhappy. Ah, there's some rich people are not unhappy, y'all. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they're pretty much happy. And, and I have a friend, a personal friend, who, grow, who grosses, in just his investments alone, $3 million a year. Great guy. He loves the Lord. Super, super, super generous. He's always challenging me, telling me to keep my head up, keep preaching the gospel. He's all about seeing people get saved. If you met him, you'd have no idea he grosses $3 million a year just in his passive income from investment. If you don't know what passive income is, this is a good series for you to be a part of. And so don't just think because someone has finances or someone has nice things that they're evil or they did something to cheat somebody out and they don't deserve it. There's the po poverty gospel. This is the mindset. Everyone should be like Mother Teresa. Everyone should sell everything and live in poverty. That is not in the scripture. Amen. That is not in the scripture. There's the both extreme 
prosperity and the poverty. How do you come in the middle? There is nothing, listen to me, there is nothing wrong whatsoever for asking God to bless your life so that you can be a blessing to other people. Don't miss the so that. Bless me so that I can be a blessing to the people around me. And so what I want to focus on today, just to sit this whole, kick this whole series off, is that what I would call it's the stewardship gospel. Not the poverty, not the prosperity, but the stewardship, the management of what God has given you. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the goal is not to be successful. The goal is to be faithful. And what God has given us, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 12. And I know what some of you are saying, why even talk about this? Well, if you read the Bible and you study your Bible, you know that Jesus in the Bible talks more about possessions and money and wealth and things than any other topic. Then when you look at it as a holistic, from like heaven and hell and all this stuff combined, 16 out of the 38 parables... 16 of them, Jesus talks about possessions and our hearts toward them and how we manage this stuff. Jesus doesn't need your money. He's not after your possessions. He wants your heart. It's a heart, heart issue. It's not a broke issue. It's not, I don't have enough money. It's not a budget issue. It's a heart issue and it starts right here. I will never apologize to you for talking about money. I will never apologize to you to talk about how to manage your finances because they're asking for God to bless you. Just like I will never ask you to forgive me for talking about marriage. If I know that it's going to help you, why would I talk about marriage or on prayer? So listen, just hang tight, sit back. This series, listen to me, will change your life. I promise you, if you apply the principles of God's word and it will grow your faith more than any other principle that I personally, in my life, have applied when it comes to experience an abundant life, a full life, well, what we like to call, or the series, The Blessed Life. So let's just, whatever preconceived ideas you have, let's just, you know, let's just listen to what God has to say, and let's go from there. So if you're ready to get started, so let's go. All right, two things you need to know. I'm going to give you the first one. This is this introduction, all right, introduction and, uh, to this series. Here's the first thing. If you want God to bless you, you got to have this perspective. Watch this. It all belongs to God. It starts here. Everything. Everything you have belongs to him. Now, every time I say that there's always that guy out there, I'm a self-made man and I've worked my tail off and I earned all I have and I, I work 60 hours a week. I, I'm a self-made this and a self-made that. <laughs> oh, your bubble's about to get burst right here. Listen to this. Psalms 24 verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything. Everybody say everything. Everything in it, everything in it belongs to him. The world and all its people belongs to him. Everything belongs to the Lord. I love this because the Bible is so fascinating. It's full of humor. It's exciting and, and, and love stories. I mean, the Bible is so fascinating. I love what, what God says in Psalms 50. Look what he says. For all the animals of the forest, they're mine. I own a cattle on a thousand hills. On a, a thousand on a hill, that they're mine. I know every bird on the mountains, they're mine. All the animals are the field, they are mine. Now watch this. Even if I were hungry, 
<laughs> That's so funny. God's like, yo, listen, if I was hungry and I want like Chick-fil-A, I ain't coming to you. I am not coming to you. I'll go and make my own hibachi. You know what I'm saying? I got my own cattle everywhere. I can make it. I'm not a, I, 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 listen, I, I'm, a, I'm not a vegetarian. I'll eat the meat. You know what I'm saying? Like all this stuff. He said, even if I were hungry, everything belongs to me. I wouldn't have to come to ask you for anything because it is all mine. Then he says, for all the world is mine and everything in it. Listen to me. Your name might be on the deed. You may call yourself the owner, but you don't own it. You may say, this is my house and I own it. Oh, yeah? Who made the wood to build your house? Where did the metal come for your car? Who created it? Where did the cotton and the linens come for the clothes that you have? Everything you have belongs to him. You have to start with that mindset that he's the owner and I am the manager. You know, when I got married in 1999 and we were still, we had one semester left in college. My wife was doing student teaching and I had two part-time jobs and finishing up my college uh, here at Morehead State University. And we moved straight to Saturdaysville, Kentucky and I got a job right out of college. Uh, I went five years to college. I was on that fast plan, you know, and... Um, um, I was waiting for her to graduate. I just added an extra semester in that. I'm just kidding. But anyway, um, as soon as I graduated, I got a job. I was making $6 an hour as a computer technician. I decided to go into computers and make $6 an hour. My wife, she was a 4-H agent in McGoffa County, employed through the University of Kentucky. And we moved back to Sarisville, and we were so happy. And let me tell you why we're happy, because we moved in with my in-laws for six months. And it was amazing. She couldn't stand it, but I loved it. They cooked, man. They ironed. I mean, they took care of me. I was like, I feel like royalty. You know what I'm saying? This is awesome. They made my bed. I mean, this is amazing. Can can we stay, honey? Build a tent right here. Now, can we stay? And she's like, let's get out of here, right? And we bought us a trailer. And we moved into a mobile home and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, we were, we were this, this is a principle we've been practicing for 20 years now. And all of a sudden, we said, you know, we need to start a savings account. And at the time, there was a, a bank called ING Bank. They've been bought out by Capital 360 or Capital One now. And we started an account at ING Bank. And I opened the account up and I was going through the account. And at the end of it, it says, you want a nickname for your account. And I was sitting there going, I'm going to think of a nickname. Of course, my nickname at the time still, everybody was calling me Vinny. I'm like, I'm going to call this Vinny's Dough, you know, Vinny's Money. And all this stuff, I'm like, what's the nickname? And all of a sudden, I felt the Holy Spirit just depressed upon me. And I typed the word, His Money. Today, you can log back into my Capital 360 account and that nickname for 20 years is to remind me that every single time I log on to it, it is His Money. Everything I have belongs to him. This is something I'm just making up. This ain't something I decided. Let's just this summer start. Pre Honey, I've been practicing this for two decades. It has changed my life. It will change your life if you will put the principles that he teaches in his word, not my words, his words, into practice. It is his money. And I know what somebody's saying. Well, you just want my money. Listen to me. I don't need your money. I don't need it. Well, you just want my money to build your church. Listen, it's not my church. Amen. It ain't my church. I had pastor friends. We built this facility. It's like a four or five million dollar facility. We didn't even do a capital campaign to raise money to do it. Say pledge. I'm not against that. Maybe someday we would do that. But we didn't do it to build this facility. And my pastor's friends come and go, how are you doing that, man? How in the world are you sleeping at night? Are you concerned if people don't give? What would happen if people don't put the building? And I said, I said, it's not my church. I didn't die for this church. Jesus did. He will take care of this. We just listen to Jesus and do what he tells us to do. So be careful. You say, well, you just want my money. Don't call it your money. 
Folks, listen, if he wants your money, he beats you up and take your money. He, he, listen, it's not yours. When you get that mindset, it changes the game. And the blessed life starts with this. Everything I have, he owns. And I'm just the manager. I'm just going to manage what he wants and how he wants to direct it in my life. I'll talk more about that. Everything we have, listen to me, belongs to the Lord. But there's something special. I don't, I'll share you my thoughts of why over the series to come. But there's something special about everything that he owns. There's something that he takes priority in. And it's the first. Which leads to my second principle I want to share with you. Is that the first belongs to God. Now, now, I know it sounds counterintuitive, right? Everything belongs to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's something unique there's something special that God has built in a system when it comes to the first of everything that we have, it belongs to him. We see this all the way through the scripture, all the way back from the Old Testament to the day, there is a priority and a principle of the first that God says, I want you to put me first. This is what the scripture would say in the Old Testament, the first fruits are the first. I'm going to walk you through a couple of verses. Exodus chapter 13, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, dedicate to me every firstborn of Israelite. Now, why does God want the firstborn? Why is the first so important? What if the first didn't come out being the best, the smartest? Anybody getting the first child in the house? The middle child always are that person, the smart ones, right? Right, the middle child, right? Right. What's so special about the first? Why is he concerned about the first? I want, watch this. I want the first offspring to be born of humans and animals belong to me. Why is God so concerned about the first? I'm not talking about even money. He's talking about like possessions. Like I want the first. Exodus 23 says in verse 19, as you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first of the harvest to where? To the house of the Lord your God. Now why in the world would God be so concerned about the first when everything's his anyway? Like, why is that even a principle? And why is he even concerned about this? And I know what some of you are thinking. So, Pastor, are you talking about like tithing like the first? Yes. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. I'm, I'm going to show you something. Because every time you start talking about, and I'm not talking about tithing today, so you, you can just hold tight. We've already taken an offering. Take a deep breath. You've got an extra hour of sleep, so you should be pretty good right now, okay? I'm not talking about tithing, so just hang tight. I'm not apologizing. We're going to talk about that really next week, and I'm going to help you understand this, this principle. But every time you talk about tithing, here's what happens. Here's what happens. Listen to me, Grace, and here's what goes on. There's always the person out there that goes, Pastor, tithing was under the law. Tithing is an Old Testament principle. Now we're not under the law. Christians, we are under grace. So we don't have to go by the tithe anymore. We now are grace givers, and as God prompts us, we give freely and generously. Of course, my first thought was, if you would give 10% under law, you should give way more under grace. But that's, that was free. That's another whole conversation. So you always have that person go, wait, 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 that's an Old Testament principle. That's a law-abiding principle. And today as a Christian, God don't expect my tithe. He don't expect a, a 10% because that, that just, that doesn't work, right? So let's go back, watch this, 4,000 years before Jesus came on the scene. 4,000 years, Adam and Eve have two sons, Cain and Abel. And if you know the story, you've read about the story, uh, he had the son. And I'm gonna listen, I want you to listen to what happens in verse 2, chapter 4. When they, Cain and Abel, grew up, 
Abel became a shepherd. Cain became a cultivator of the ground. He became basically a farmer. Cain, Abel. When it was time for the harvest to come, Cain, watch this, presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Am I not generous? Here's some of my crops. Abel also brought a gift of the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. Now watch this. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. Why did God not accept the gift? Is that not generous? Here's something. Come on, you get a piece of the pie. Why? Because it was not the first fruits. This is 4,000 years, watch this, before Jesus was ever born. And don't miss this. This was 2,500 years before the law was ever given. There's the principle of the first. Watch this, 2,500 years before Moses ever wrote the law. Why is there a principle of the first? Why is this so important? Well, in the New Testament, Jude, verse 11 tells us, Woe to them because they went the way of Cain. Talking about this story. What is the way of Cain? The way of Cain was greedy. See, Cain was greedy. And when he got greedy, he brought some of his gift. Let me fast forward it. Here's what that means. I'll bring what I want, when I want, how I want, as much as I want, and no one better ever tell me. Why does only, only people get upset when we talk about money? Why does people get upset about that? Because if you get upset, it's because you've made it your God. That's why you get upset. I can't believe a church talk about that. And everyone has all the rumors and stuff. This is hilarious. I've heard so many rumors <laughs> about our church when it comes to money. And here's what I tell them. I said, here's my cell phone number. Next time they say that to you, call me on the spot. Put me on speakerphone. And let's talk this out and see what they say. I mean, it's just hilarious, some of the things. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just I mean, one of my, but this, I'm gonna share this story. I shouldn't have said this, but I'm gonna share this anyway because it's hilarious. Uh, one of my banker friends, uh, he, he takes care of uh, stuff for me. We work through, and he, he's our church. He serves, he's amazing. And, uh, and he told me, he was sitting down talking to a guy one time and said, you, you heard about that big church up there? That big old church up there behind Walmart? I don't know why. I just see him saying it like this <laughs> in my head. He said, you know what I heard about that big old church up behind Walmart? And my banker friend said, what? He said, every Sunday when the offerings are take up, he goes to the back and he takes out as much as he wants to feed his family. Can you believe they do that up there? <laughs> and he's like, it don't work that way, man. We've got four people and security guards and we put them in bank. The ink blows up if you touch it. I don't, listen, keep the hand off the gold, the girls and the glory and you will be okay, right? That's it. I don't want to touch your money. I don't want the glory, and I ain't going to touch no girl but my wife because she's fine. That's it. And it just cracks me up that someone made that up, though. Someone has heard that. Is that not funny? When you think of, it's not funny. It's the devil is what it is. But still, this is, cracks me up only when it comes about this topic. And he says, they went the way of Cain. You see, so many people, I'll bring what I want, when I want, how I want, and nobody better tell me anything different. That is the way of Cain. Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor is a heart issue. Honor the Lord with your wealth for the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled and overflowing your vats brim with new wine. The hall of fame of faith, Hebrews chapter 11. Listen to what it says about Abel. Remember he brought a firstborn offering? Hebrews eleven four. 4. By faith, Abel brought a God, watch this, a better offering 
than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he's dead. He's still speaking right now. Don't miss this. 2,500 years later, 2,500 years before the law was written, they were bringing the first fruit. They were already tithing. Folks, listen to me. When Moses wrote the law, did that moment in 1500 BC, did that moment make murder wrong? Murder was already wrong before the law was ever written. We know this in the Cain and Abel story. Now watch this. Did the law Moses gave 1500 years BC, did it make tithing right? Tithing was already right. They were already bringing a tenth. Abraham tithed everything 500 years before the law was ever written. So don't come and say it was under law. It was already in effect thousands of years before Moses ever wrote the law. And folks, listen, it hasn't changed today. Leviticus 27 says this. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain or the fields or the fruit from the trees, belongs to who? The Lord and must be, watched this, set apart as to him as holy. Listen, here's my question. I ask the same question. Why in the world does God do this? Really, at the end of the day, what is really 10%? Like, really, why is there a percent? Why is it 10%? You ever ask yourself that question? Why is it a percent? Why is it 50%? Why is it not 20%? Why is it not 90% of all of it? He could demand whatever he wants. Why does he ask for 10? Why is it even a percent? Why does he say I'm out? Everybody drop a 50 why don't he put an amount there? Does that mean do I do it on my net or do I do it on my gross? Can I designate my tithe? Like, can I say, okay, I'm going to give 2% to the Red Cross. I'm going to give 3% to this mission organization. Okay, I got 12% or, or 2% left over for my church. Can I designate that? Because it's the tithe, right? Can I, can I do that? What's the difference between a tithe and an offering? Pastor, every Sunday, y'all talk about tithe and offerings. What's the difference between the two? Is there a difference between the two? For some of you, like, Pastor, listen, I give half of everything I make to the government. What do you say about that? Where to go? Some of you, how do you fix that? Some of you are going, listen, I'm on fixed income. I'm broke. How do I do that? Some of you are going, I'm in so much debt right now. Like, man, listen, I don't know, I don't, even, I don't know which way I'm coming or going. And you expect, God expects 10 percent how does how does that even work the numbers don't even work how does that how do you figure that out I'm gonna answer those questions for you and most of them are going to be next week because this is something that you got to understand and you got to grasp how does this even work today here's my focus God owns it all he owns everything and then there's this principle of the first there's something special about the first so I'm going to close with this story in 1 Kings. If you have your Bibles, real quick, go to 1 Kings chapter 17. I'm going to share this story. This is, this is just introduction, okay? This is introduction. And listen to me. I know what some of you are saying. I just want you to calm down. You're like, well, you just want to preach on this because you're going to try to take up a big offering. We're going to build it. No, 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 no. We, we do our annual year in the offering. We do that every year in a way. That has, that has nothing to do with this. But listen to me. The enemy is going to lie to you. And say, people are just trying to get you, and they're trying to attack your little G-God, and you worked hard. Listen, listen, listen. God is not after your money. And whether you know me personally or not know me personally, or you want to have it, I don't give a rip about your money. Your money don't impress me. Your money don't impress me one bit. And your money don't impress God. What you have don't impress God. Some of you right now, you're trying to gain things and get things to impress people you don't even like. 
money is not evil. People say that the love of money, no, it's the root of all evil. Money's evil. Money's not evil. Money's neutral. You put money in a godly person's hand, they're going to expand the kingdom. You put money in the evil person's hand, they're going to destroy people's lives. Money is, is not evil. It's the love on it that makes it evil. Money's neutral. It's not money. It's the love and the desire and the want for more. There's nothing wrong having a nice car. There is nothing wrong, listen, that you can have a nice house. But if you're robbing God to get that, there's a problem. There's a major problem. And listen, I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page because somebody's going, I've always wondered about this. And you know here at Bear Life Church, we're not afraid to talk about tough topics, hard topics. We'll, we'll, we'll answer some of your questions. This, this actually should have started in the All, uh, All in Wonder series because one of the greatest ways to worship God is to be generous to the people around you as He leads you and blesses you. One of the questions that you may ask or that you ask for it is how does it even work and what does this even mean and why would God even demand this and ask this for me? I'm going to answer that clearly for you and you're going to know completely and then you have to make your decision what you're going to do. This is a beautiful story. First Kings chapter 17. Starting in verse 7. But after a while, the brook dried up. If water stops running, things start dying. Get the picture. The brook dried up. For there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. The Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Now, think about that. We miss how God takes care of us and God's provision through other people in our life. Listen, I know, listen, there's a famine. John, I got a widow over here. Homegirl go take care of you. It's going to be good. Just trust me. Go. So he went to the city of Zarephath, verse 10. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks and asked her, would you please bring me a little cup of water. Would you bring me a little bit of water in a cup? Now don't miss this. It hasn't rained. The brooks are dried up. And now you're asking for water? Verse 11, as she was going to get it, he called to her and uh, <clears throat> could you bring me a little Debbie cake too while you're at it? Is that not a man for you right there? Come on, is that not hilarious? Honey, give me a glass of milk and grab the Oreos while you're at it. You know what I'm saying? Is that not, look at this. Bring me a bite of bread too. I thought you just wanted a glass of water. And now you want something to eat? You want bread? And look what she says in verse 12. I swear by the Lord, your God. She didn't even believe in his God. By the Lord, your God, that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I have only a handful of flour, a little bit left in the jar, a little bit of cooking oil at the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks at the gate, remember where he met her, to cook my last meal. And then my son and I will die. Some of you feel like that right now. I got a little bit in the house. I got a little bit in the cabinets. I got a little bit in the checking account. I got a little bit left over. And man, times are tough. There's a famine in the land. She's about to make her last meal. And then she's going to sit and starve to death with her son. I don't know you all personally. I doubt any of us have been to this point. This low. It's the last meal. And I have no idea what's going to happen. And then verse 13, but Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead, do just what you've said, but watch this, but make a little bread for me first. Everybody say first. First. Now think about the audacity of that. 
oh man, I'm sorry about your son. I didn't know he was sick. You know what? I tell you what, me and you, we'll figure something out. Feed your kid. Feed your kid. Make sure you got enough for food on the table for him. Make sure you got his college savings messed up. Make sure you got enough saved up for him to get a new car when he gets 16. I I'm sorry, but make sure you have enough for your kid. What does he say? You do what you say you're going to do. You bring the me first. Why? The Lord's instructed this. Don't, this, is, this is the principle of the first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for your son and yourself. Watch this, verse 14. For this is what the Lord says. This is so good. And this is the same promise he says to you. The God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and their crops grow again. So she did exactly as Elijah said. And she did, Elijah and her family continued to eat for many more days. And there was enough, everybody say enough, enough flour and olive oil in the containers just as the Lord has promised to Elijah. Folks, I've experienced this over and over and over. You go into the cupboard, you make a little bit because there's a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil, okay? And you make your cake and I'll go, okay, and you're like, okay, there's nothing else. They're empty and you put them back in a cupboard and shut the door. And oh, it's dinner time. You open up, oh my gosh, it's filled back up again. Oh, this is amazing, right? And you go, listen, some of you never put yourself in position for God to do a miracle in your life. This is the principle of the first. Please do not miss what I'm about to say. Because your mindset, because the devil wants to lie to Christians all over the world. And you think God wants you to tithe so that you can take care of the church. You think God wants you to tithe so the church can be taken care of. Listen to me. God wants you to tithe so you will be taken care of. You. He don't need your money. You don't give because the budget's low. You don't give to get. If you do, your heart's already right and your offering's not even acceptable to the Lord. Tithing is not for the church. It's for you. Tithing's not even for Him. It's not because He needs it. He owns everything. So that tells you He's not after your money. He's after your heart. And the number one thing that will compete for your heart for the rest of your life, how I'm going to make it, how I'm going to save it, how I'm going to spend it, how do I budget it, what I'm going to do with it, do I have enough in my pension, do I have enough to retire, your entire mindset is so wrapped around. Listen, listen, I'm not jumping and being all the political about this. The people I know voting's coming up and there's, there's both sides. Are I get all that, I get all that. But listen, nothing's guaranteed in this world. And he was like, well, you guarantee me? You take a man's guarantee? You take a $22 trillion debt country guarantee? I don't want that I owe you. It's broke. And when you make everything lasting for you, that has become your God. When it goes, it's gone. That's okay. The cupboards are empty. It's okay. We've lost it all. That's We've spent it all. That's okay. He's my God. He take care of me. You think I'm going to put my faith in the government to take care of me? My God will take care of me. Why? Because he, he owns it all. It's a perspective change. And shift in our life. And most people never get to this point. You know what happens in the rest of the story? If you read verse 17, her son gets sick and he dies. And she said, listen here, man of God, my son died even though he ate. Elijah took him in the bedroom, prayed over him. Did some crazy stuff. And guess what? Brings it back down. So here's your life. And she said, now I believe every word that comes out of your mouth. You don't think God knew her son was about to die? 
He sends the man of God there to make sure. He said, but first, listen to me. Be first obedient to my word, and I will provide for you, not food, but I'll even provide thanks for your life, and I'm going to heal your son. You'd even know it's coming. Folks, that is the blessed life. Not materialism, not material things, not the stuff you drive, the stuff you have. It's this, that you are right with Jesus, following Jesus, loving Jesus, and being known by Jesus. Folks, that's the blessed life. And it starts with that perspective. God owns it all. So here's the question real quick. So why is the first so important to God? We just read in Exodus chapter 23, bring the first fruits into the house. Why is God so concerned about the first? Because for most people, especially Christians, he just gets leftovers. That's the way of Cain. I'll bring what I want, when I want, how I want it, whenever I can make sure, you know, it cracks me up. We talk about 10%. Listen, some of you right now, you're tithing 28% to Visa. Look at your flipping interest rate on your credit card, 28%. But they're cute shoes, how, right? Do you not understand this? And you start talking about 10%, whoa, wait, 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 that's too much. You want a 28% pay raise or increase in your budget? Pay off all your credit cards. You start saving 28% interest. See, we don't even think this way. Why is the first so important? First Corinthians, Paul writes in chapter 15, it's not on the screen. But Christ indeed was raised from the dead. Watch this. The first fruit of all those who have fallen asleep. Colossians chapter 1, I'm thinking about doing a preaching through the whole book of Colossians next year sometime. And Colossians chapter 1 says, the Son of God is the invisible, invisible God. The Son, Jesus, is the invisible image of God. The firstborn of all creation. Now, Jehovah Witness get this all out of context, and they say Jesus was created because he's the firstborn. He's not talking about firstborn physically. It's preeminently. He was the first place, first of all. He owns it all. He's in first position of all. And God says the reason why the, let's go back, take the first lamb, make sure it has no blemish, no spots, make sure it's perfect, set it aside, that's what you sacrifice. Take the first goat, make sure it's perfect, no blemish and stuff, that's what we're going to sacrifice. Bring the first to me, bring the first to me. Why? Because there will come a day that I'm going to tithe to you, and I'm going to give you my very best. I'm going to give you my first son, my only son, who's the first fruit. And that lamb, and that tithe, and that first is the position and the picture of me giving you my tithe, my first, my best, which is my son son. The first is about his son. And if you put your faith in his son, you will be saved. So it's bigger than your wallet. It's bigger than a tenth. It's bigger than a tithe. He said, I gave you my best. I deserve your best. It's a principle for thousands of years that I set up. But the devil wants to lie to you and people want to talk about all about your money. Touch my wallet. Don't tell me about this. Touch it. It's because it's become your God. And that's why there's 16 of the 38 parables to not make money and material things your God. That's the principle of the first. Because he gave you his very best. He deserves our very best. I'm going to ask if you would to bow your heads. Listen, next week, I'm going to break this so down, so easy and so practical. We're going to answer those questions I just mentioned to you a while ago. And I'm going to help all of us just understand why in the world, how in the world 
Is this even possible? And all I expect you to do, watch this, just come back. With an open heart and mind, say, God, if this is the principle in your word, if this is true, I want to know you. I want to hear it from your perspective, from what your word has to say. So I could be educated on it because honestly, most people don't even know how this works or why it doesn't exist in the first place. Because the lie of the devil wants to tell people, they just want your money, they just need your money. Amazon wants your money, you still shop there. So he said, don't, don't believe that lie. That's, that's a lie. That's, that's just an excuse behind behind that you want this to be your little G God. Don't, don't, don't fall into the devil's snare. Don't go the way of Cain. You want the blessing and the favor of God. And listen, God's blessing and favor may not be materialistic. Please hear me. There's no prosperity gospel preaching up here. Because when I read the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, there were people who lost their life. They were sown in two. They were beheaded. They were tortured. There's people now losing their life right now for the cause of Christ. We let God determine what blessing may be. God may know something that's coming in your life and there needs to be healing in your life and you don't even know that yet. And he's like, do you trust me? Do you trust me? It's about faith. And the greatest faith step you could take today, listen, is to accept God's gift to you, which is his son, Jesus. He came for you, he died for you, he bled for you, he got up out of the grave for you, and God sent his very best, his firstborn of all creation, it says, who's the first fruit out of the grave, why? That's how much he loves you. He wants your heart, not your wallet, your heart. And if that's you, I ask you, would you please give your life to Jesus today? Right where you sit, you can say, Jesus, I believe. Cry out to him right now. I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And as best as I know how, today I yield my life to you. Thank you for saving me. Now help me follow you all the days of my life. Folks, listen, at both of our campuses or even watching online, if that was you, would you please go to the next step area? There's a place even online you could go to the next step area. We want to help you in your walk and your journey with Jesus. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for how relevant it is and how it speaks to our heart and our life. And we pray, Lord, as the devil wants to lie and all this prosperity and poverty stuff. And you're just like, man, just be a good steward. Just manage it. It's mine anyway. Manage it well. And if you manage it, manage it well, I can do great things through your life. Just manage it well. God, I pray through this series, no condemnation on people. Father, there's been medical bills that have caused people to get way behind. They've become tragics and divorce and situations that's bankrupt and done a lot of things. What I love about you, Lord, it's not about yesterday, it's about today. Today's a new day in our life. So there's no shame, there's no condemnation, there's no guilt thrown from this stage or in this atmosphere. So yes, some of us made silly mistakes and stupid spending habit mistakes, yes. But today's a new day, Lord, with you. And now that we're learning and being educated, understanding your principles of the first in your life, I pray that you would honor that step of faith in people's lives, Lord. And you begin to allow them to experience an abundant life, a full life, a better life. Today we call the blessed life. And they will leave here with excitement and encouragement, understanding that there's the best is yet to come. And yes, I can't change yesterday, but I can do something today that will change tomorrow. And today I'm going to start putting you first in every area of my life.
First in my marriage, first in my finances, first in my parenting, first in my education, first in school, first on the, on the ball court. I'm going to put you first. God, I pray you desire to be first in our life. And we'll give you all the honor and all the glory and all the praise for what you are going to do in your church, Lord. For your name we ask and we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. Let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app and consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast. Lastly, if you would like to support what God is doing through this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church slash give now. We're praying you have a great week and hope to see you again soon.